Get ready, loosen those vocals up, Tubbs. Here it comes. An Australia without rugby league is not Australia. There's McKay Diva. A nation roars for a hero. Freeman's got work to do here. A drop for He's got the field goal. He's got the premiership. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? You're listening to the Crowd Catch. Buckle up as we dive in to all things sport. Yes, that's right. Hello and welcome back to the Crowd Catch. We're thrilled you're here. We're thrilled you're listening. Um, and we have a massive episode planned. We hope you brought a towel because we are indeed about to dive into all things sport. First things first, let me introduce my co-host. I'm James and joining me as always, we've got the ginger assassin. Jack, how you doing, mate? Yeah, very well. Thanks, Jimmy. I didn't bring a towel. I'm used to using you to wipe the floor when it comes to Mario Kart. <laughs> Well, mate, I'll pay that. Any chance for you to get a win early in the podcast because you won't get won't get many when it comes to trivia later on. <laughs> and, of course, down here we have Zachary Gates. How are you doing, mate? Mate, I'm doing well. Thanks. The only thing I've got to say is if you're jumping in the pool, don't forget your floaties. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently this podcast has just turned into Rose Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, well, it's good to know that if he needs a buy for floaties, he can shop in the kids' section. <laughs> let's let's right. take this to the pool, boys. Let's, let's do a podcast out of this. Take it to the pool. We all race each other over. Only, we... Over only 25 metres because I might drown over 50. Before <laughs> before we humiliate Coman and uh, this podcast turns from three into two because he storms out, um, how about Jack? How about you give us your what caught your eye, mate? Yeah, I can. Uh, probably a bit of a sad one for me this week. Uh, two members of the Sharks' 2016 Premiership winning team on the way out. First is James Maloney announcing his retirement. Look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. He's the most underrated NRL player I've seen during my time as a fan. I think he has to go down as one of the greatest club players the game has seen again in our time. Uh, he took the New Zealand Warriors all the way to a grand final. Roosters minor premierships, a premiership with the Roosters, and of course a premiership with the Sharks in 2016. And if you think about where this Panthers run of form started, it started with James Maloney as a half. I think he was a, a big motivator and a big force in getting that ball rolling. And we've seen it continue to gain momentum and turn them into the powerhouse they now are. So look, I'm a huge James Maloney fan and really sad to see him hanging up the boots, but uh, hopefully we'll get some more time to barbecue alone, the big fella. And then, look, my other one's Andrew Fafita. It's been well documented um, about him being in, going into an induced coma, I should say. Look, Andrew Fafita doesn't fit the stereotype of an NRL pinup, but at one stage, he was the most influential player in this game. And I mentioned that 2016 final win for the Sharks, and I think Andrew Fafita was the driving force behind that. He scored a pivotal try in the grand final. Was, but, I'll never forget that try. And yeah. if you think as, as, a, as a front rower, just taking a tap and running straight through, um, not just any defence, but the Melbourne Storm defence, straight through the front door, it's such a crucial part of the season. That was huge, but he was huge if, those last couple of years. He the lead with 15 minutes to go. I also remember him playing out in 2017 game one. That was in State of Origin. That was the most influential game I've ever seen an individual play in State of Origin. The headlines for the next two weeks were how will Queensland contain him. So, mm. look, he, he was a great of the game, but his off-field antics probably didn't see him taken to the, the heights which um, some of our other players have had just as much of an impact on the game have been taken to. But really sad to see what's happened to Andrew Fafita off the back of that injury from the Knights. And with James Maloney out... Um, two guys that will go down in Cronulla Sharks folklore. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's horrible scenes here and what's happening to Andrew Vafetis. Definitely hope he's on a speedy recovery. But yet echoing everything you said there, Jack, pretty much hitting it on the hitting the nail on the head for both of them. But my what caught my eye this week is also a bit of a rugby league-themed one. Um, with a couple of signings coming out this week with Connor Watson and Moses Embai inking deals. Um, but the thing that caught my eye about them was how they came about. And both these deals have been signed by the players representing themselves inside their Queensland hubs, which I think is pretty crazy, pretty interesting in the sign of the times that, you know, the Tigers are staying in the same hotel as the Dragons and the Roosters are staying in the same hotel as the Knights. Hmm. And, um, you know, it's come out, it's been documented that Watson represented himself 
spoke with Trent Robertson, an old coach of his. He signed on less money on a shorter deal and then, you know, came out and told his team in a in a in a private meeting that none of them were expecting and it sort of happened under their noses. And um Just you walked s- down the corridor and popped into the pool room and said hey, pretty, pretty much. Like I, I obviously was I don't know exactly how it happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were just brushed past each other in the hallway and said, Hey, what about coming to the Chooks next year? Uh, it's it's crazy the sign of the time. Same thing happened with Mo, uh, Moses Embi. It was it was on the table, then it was off the table. But then when the Tigers and the Dragons got put in the same hub, then you know the deals sparked back up. The talk started happening, and Moses Embi was you know one floor away from Anthony Griffin and a and a pitch to join the team. So, you know, I thought that was just a bit weird. Um, they're two pretty pivotal signings for the Tigers and the Knights. Um, and uh, yeah, two deals I don't think would have happened if the teams weren't staying in the same hotel. It was an interesting one. It is pretty crazy. Boys, what caught my eye was um, the great Ethiopian long-distance runner, um, Kenanisa Bakile. He is return- he's announced he is returning for the Berlin Marathon this year uh, on the 26th of September. Uh, he's hardly been seen since running in uh, the 2019 Berlin Marathon where he went within two seconds of, um, of matching Eli Kipchoge's world record. But um, look, he is one of the greatest ever. Um, I think he's a, what is he, a three-time Olympic gold medalist. Um, and, yeah, it'll be great to see him back in Berlin where he'll be shooting for his third um, for his third title, for third Berlin title. Um, and, look, you'd have, you'd have to say um, you wouldn't write off a, a new world record being run by him. The last seven men's um, marathon world records have been set at Berlin, um, I guess, because of how flat it is and, uh, how favourable the conditions are in Berlin at that time of year. And, um, you know, he's an ambitious man. I'll tell you what, I'll be watching that one. Well, guys, yeah, I'd love to just use this chance to apologise to all the F1 fans that we have attracted over the first half of this season. They must be hating the long-distance running because it's definitely taken away the F1's time in the sun ever since the Olympics came around, mate. Oh, well, mate, um, the F1 chat will be turning will be returning next week because the next Formula One Grand Prix rolls around next weekend. What would start that? I'm sure would be a couple of red lights and a green light. So let's have a couple of our own. Right, yeah, probably wasn't the best segue, but we'll take it, fellas. Uh, Gatesy, we'll throw to you first. What's your red light, green light this week, mate? All right, mate. I'll get us started. Um, I'm actually going back into the world of the Olympics. Of course, the Paralympics are coming up. And what I've got to say is, uh, like the Commonwealth Games, should able-bodied athletes and, um, and Paralympic athletes all compete in the one Olympics? Instead of having the Olympics, a little bit of a gap, and then the Paralympics. Red light, green light, gentlemen. <laughs> All right, I'll go. I'll go first. Look, I, I'm for this one. I'm a red light. I think. I just. I mean, I'm not sure how exactly it would work. Like, if we would go straight from you know Ariana Titmus racing to you know another, the very next race is a disabled race. I'm not sure if that's how they would do it or. That's what they did in the Commonwealth Games. See, I don't think I wouldn't like that. I, but but way I would like it to happen, I I think it's good to integrate them together. But just do it back to back. You know, why does there need to be a two week or a three week gap? I don't understand that. I'm happy for it to be back to back, but I don't think we should interlace them together. I think you know it's it's super exciting when you when you're watching the swimming and. You know, you've got Ariana Titmus going for gold in one and then, you know, the next race, Emma McKeon's going for gold in another. And I don't think I would be able to get the same amount of hype watching someone who is a bit irrelevant going for gold in a race that's going to take three times as long because he's missing an arm or a leg. And I don't mean to be, like, you know, put them down. It's probably not the politically correct thing to say, but, you know, screw it. This is what I think. I think it would be better to go fact, like, you know, one event, one, like the Olympics, then the Paralympics, not interlacing them. All of a sudden, we've got two Pauline Hansons on the podcast. Jack with his red hair and you with, you, you with your, polit- your political views. Um, well, my rebut- one rebuttal of mine for you, Carmen, is 
I mean, look, let's be honest. So there's a little bit of a gap between the Olympics and the Paralympics and no one's talking about um, the Paralympics coming up. There's very little media coverage previewing it. Um, excitement levels are, of course, way down, even though everyone's in lockdown and doesn't have a whole lot else to do other than, you know, going out to work and working from home. Um, and I, I, I really don't think removing that gap is going to do anything. Um, you'd, you'd still be, it's, it's still not integrated. It's still the Olympics and then the Paralympics. And, you know, come the end of the Paralympics, uh, the end of the Olympics, people are like, uh, sadly, the Paralympics ahead, um, not interested. Some people wouldn't even, even be aware of it. That's how disinterested they'd be. Um, so I, I really don't think removing the gap would, um, would increase people's well, interest levels. My, my rebuttal to that, Zachary, is interest is dying in the Olympics alone. It's not as popular as it used to be. And I think interlacing it with the Paralympics isn't going to raise its popularity. It's, it's a green light for me. Um, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when we didn't have the luxury of a streaming service that allowed you to watch any and every single sport as it was happening, it's probably a different story because... I mean, if, if you're waiting to watch the Boomers in a bronze medal match, uh, but there's, you know, some random Paralympic sport that you have not much interest in that's taking that coverage, uh, you know, is a, a trying to jumble too many sports. But when the viewer has the access they now have that they can watch whatever they want, um, that's not a problem for me. For me, it's, it's, it's the exact same as the curtain raiser game of footy. Uh, I went to the NRL grand final in 2019, cracking game, Jimmy. Um, and <laughs> the game before it, um, they won on the belt. It was awesome. Uh, did I go to watch that? No. Am I glad I watched that? Yes. And more importantly, for those players involved in that, how good was it to have all those fans? And they know that the fans weren't necessarily coming and paying the money purely to see them, but it put their game on a pedestal. And I think that's the same with the Olympics. Yeah. If you integrated the games like you did at sort the Commonwealth Games and say it was Ariane Titmus, then a Paralympic event, then Kaylee McEwen, a lot of Australia, I'm sure, would use that chance to go and get a drink to do this, to do that, um, and would have the option to quickly switch off and switch back on as they would if those three races without an Australian in it. But what it would ultimately do, it would still leave a lot more eyes on the Paralympic sports than there, I dare say, would be with this current system. So... I don't think it would hurt the viewer in any way, shape or form, but I think it would do so much, so, so much for the Paralympics and Paralympians, then why not? It, it really wouldn't affect the viewer at all. I mean, if, if you really aren't interested in watching the Paralympics, this, this might sound bad, but it's, um, I, I don't intend it to be that way. If you're not interested in a Paralympic event, you just pretend it's like an ad break, okay? And there's an ad break, 10 minutes, you know, five minutes later, you're back watching what you want to watch on the Olympics after, you know, a Paralympic 100-metre freestyle event is over, for instance. Yep. And the last thing I'll say is uh, we're not being mean and saying, look, we're not interested in the Paralympics because it's not as good, it's not this and not that. We just haven't been exposed to it. When the world has been exposed to certain Paralympians, they've got right around Dylan Orcott, Kurt Fernley, the Blade Runner. Um, before the Blade Runner did everything he did, when he was running those events, the world was watching. They were going out of their way to watch the Blade Runner. What this would do is it would put more players like that, more athletes like that, on the national stage and all of a sudden that exposure. We would want to watch these events. We'd have more names that were following in in world sports. So I don't think, I think we would. How many Dylan Orcourt games have you watched? Myself. Yeah. If he's playing, I'll watch it. So let's just... He plays, plays every tournament. Yeah, and if he's on, I'll watch it. So say I'm sitting down like I was watching the Olympics and Dylan Orcourt's on, I'm watching it. So straight away, I'm more than happy to watch him play. He's getting more viewers, which he definitely would deserve. As he had, plays in there's his been ample match. opportunity for you to go out of your way and watch a Dylan Orcourt game. You don't have to just watch it when it's on. Well, only, Why do we need to put it on in prime time? Well, only a you quarter to watch of his a games are in my time zone. Look, they, I, would be, they would be on in your time. Like when he's playing at the Australian Open, this, watch, that's a I'll normal time for a tennis game. Boys, my two senses is that um, I don't think it's fair for the Paralympians to be shunned to post-Olympics and particularly what having this three-week block of whatever it is before the Paralympics. I mean, they, they should all be in the same boat. They should all be in the 
in the same in the same class in the same um, three week period where they're getting where they're attracting the excitement and you'd have the to double the length of the Olympics as well. Sorry, you'd no, have to double the length of the Olympics. Yeah, well, it, look, you if you have to extend be, it a little bit, but they, these wouldn't. are these are the best athletes in the world in their circumstances, um, and I, I think they should. Um, I think they should be given the same limelight, the same great limelight as able-bodied athletes. Just on that note, um, the Paralympian I'm most looking forward to watching the Paralympics is Jared Clifford from Australia. Okay. He will be competing the 1500, the 5,000 metres and the marathon. Look out for him. He wears goggles. (laughs) We're keeping an eye out for him. Two green lights, one red light. I'll move on. Boys, um, Justin Lang is coming under a lot of scrutiny, not at the test level, at the T20 level. Uh, we have been woeful. And like in any sport, as soon as the results don't go your way, articles start alluding to this problem and that problem. So my red light, green light is, should there be a coach for short-term cricket? So the Australian 2020 and one day side, and should there be a coach for the test team or... Uh, break it up one more and have three separate coaches. So should we be splitting the role of the Australian cricket coach? Um, I don't think so. I was going to say red light. Um, that's my first impression. Um, I, don't, I think it's good to, for the coach to get an idea of how the team's performing across all three formats. Um, you know, it, it could benefit from having a different coach maybe for short format, but how much is that realistically going to improve things? You know, Justin Lang is still an excellent coach. He still knows what T20 is, still knows what one day is. He still knows how to play cricket and he knows how to get the best out of his, out of his players. And I think for him to be involved across all three formats, he gets a better idea of what each player can bring to a table, can bring to the table and, you know, in, you can get an idea and, progressing them up, working them through T20 into one day to test match potentially through that sort of that sort of pathway. It's I don't think you need to split it up. It could create some confusion. You know, there might be a few head butts between whether or not this player's a good player or this player's a right player. It could cause could cause a bit of a divide. You know, maybe the players are more accustomed to one style of coaches, you know, played as opposed to another's. So I don't know. I think it could get a bit messy. It seems like a beautiful idea. It seems you know, like it could fix problems, make us better. But I think down the long run, it'll cause problems. Justin Lang is an interesting case study, isn't he? Because his international career or his professional career was wrapping up when T20 was only coming about. So um, I, I, Justin Lang didn't play any international T20s. Whether he played some domestic ones, I'm not sure. Um, although his T20 pedigree or intelligence is, and credentials are still really high because he's, he, of course, uh, coached the Perth Scorchers to several BBL tournaments. So he's, he's an interesting um, case study. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't really agree with the idea of looking into uh, Justin Langer's um, uh, credentials as T20 and ODI coach on the back of the West Indies and uh, Bangladesh tours because Australia, I, I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't, I don't think it's fair on him. Just when you consider the second string squads that were over there, there was no Steve Smith, David Warner, Patrick Cummins, Marcus Stoinis, Glenn Maxwell. Um, you know, so it, it shouldn't. I don't think it should fall back on the coach. Oh, look, I don't mean it to fall back on Justin Langer in any way, shape or form. I completely agree with everything you've just said, Gatesy. Uh, but look, I've, I've for a long time believed that for Australia to have success across three formats, we need to start treating them as three different formats. Jimmy, you said it would get messy. I think it would clean it up a little bit. I think it would be very hard. I, I mean, picture your Anthony Griffin and um, you drop Marnus Labuschagne for the World Cup final but then you expect his full respect for an Ashes game three weeks later. I think in, at times we've been guilty of trying to milk our test players off test credentials and fast-tracking them into short-form systems and vice versa. You know, you know a, a guy may go well in a ODI and then all of a sudden he's pipping you know, raw and traditional test match players, he probably should get that look in because he's in the coach's good books from playing 
what is more or less now a completely different sport. So I, I've forever been a big fan of us starting to treat them as three separate formats. And I think this is what's getting us unstuck at the moment is we don't know what our best T20 team is. Where do you mm. play Marcus Stoinis, the player with the big bat? Um, do you play him at first drop or second drop? Or um, he was opening in the big bash. So do you, you give him David Warner's spot because he was the best player in the big bash? Or does David Warner walk straight in without playing a single game in that competition because he's in your good books from playing in the test matches? I think it's getting messy at the moment. I, I honestly think Australia really needs to change how we look at our three lineups. And I think starting by having three individual coaches or just two would be a really good start. Well, then what, what would happen, say, if um, you know Mitchell Stark has a big test series and then off the back of that there's a T20 and maybe um, you know, the T20 coach, if there was one, wanted Mitchell Stark to play in that T20 series. But then Justin Langer as a test coach wants to keep him fresh for another test that's coming off. He wants to give him give him a week spell or a two week spell so he can be fresh for that <clears throat> that upcoming test. Who gets right away there? Does Mitchell Stark just have to make up his own mind or does one coach is there a coach in charge of the team? Bar this peculiar COVID situation, we've never seen scheduling uh, which is overlapping. And if Mitchell Stark is getting millions of dollars as a contracted cricketer across all three formats, then he needs to be available. If he would want to reconsider his contract, then maybe he would change his availability. And the coach would have to come into consideration. The um, Maybe it, it's tiered that, you know, tests get priority or whatnot. Um, but, yeah, look, that's, still, that would that's make, still a problem. That would make the head coach of the test team the big dog still, if it was that's, tiered. That's still a problem, though. That is that is still a problem with one coach regard to three. Um Mitch, Mitch Stark would know quite well where he's at and we've seen players a lot of time withdraw themselves from series. Um, so, yeah, look, that that wouldn't be completely fixed in this situation, but I, I don't think it would make it any worse than it is at the moment. Um, we are expecting Mitchell Stark to play a pivotal role in this 2020 World Cup and we're expecting him to play a pivotal role in this Ashes series. Yeah, well, I, I don't think we'll, we'll come to an agreement. That's the, the best part about red light, green light, but... Um, look, I'll keep. I'll uh, keep Jack, be, before we move, before we move on, Jack, think back to Darren Lehman. Yeah, he, he of course led the Aussies to a five 0 Ashes whitewash in thirteen fourteen. Yep. Uh, so that's obviously in Test cricket. Um, yep. He led Australia to the ODI World Cup victory in twenty fifteen. So yep. within the space of two years, ultimate success in two of the three formats. Um, I've never been as interested in T twenty cricket, but I'm just trying no. to find. Find well, out Justin how, Langer could do that. Australia. I think it's well within Justin Langer's realms to do that. Um, but Justin Langer being coach of all three, if I was Justin Langer, I'd tell Mitchell um, Stark, I'd tell him to go and frame his baggy green because he'll never need it again because it's in the best interest of Cricket Australia across all three formats for him to hone in and master his whiteboard game and blood your dry riches and James Pattinson's in the tests. Oh, look, you know... On the back of that failed series against India on Australian soil last summer, I'd like to think that you know Mitchell Stark only ever plays another Test if if there's if if he's forced to because of injuries to other bowlers. Yeah, so, he's but, he's he's a, he's erratic. He's a he's erratic. He's always and he's a sensational white ball bowler. And the more time he has with the white ball, the better he goes. He starts to get the swing both ways. And we see, saw in 2014, 15, just how lethal he was. So, look, if I was Justin Langer, that's what I'd be doing because it's the betterment. It's in the best interest of the short form that he doesn't play with a red ball that mucks up his white ball ability. Um, so, I, I think you could see powers like that come into play in years to come. If, uh, if I was coaching, that's exactly what I'd do. Because think be valuable only... to the test team, but I'd say no, mate. Uh, I, I need you swinging that white ball both ways for the cricket World Cup coming up. Mitchell Stark has struggled in test cricket for a while. I think the only reason why he's uh, continued to keep his spot is because he's a left armer, so that gives him a point of difference. Um, you know, so it makes it makes it difficult for the batsman when they're on strike, and he's also working on those footmarks for Nathan Lyon. I, I think otherwise, if he was a right arm, I don't think he'd be in there. But anyway, how about we move on? <laughs> I don't remember Mitchell Stark's form in the question. Were you, even, were you a red light or a green light case? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> Look, we've talked about this enough. Let's just move on. <laughs> 
Right, we'll, we'll keep it rolling. So jumping off cricket now, back on the rugby league. Uh, Phil Gould uh, suggested this idea, uh, it might have been last week, earlier in the week, um, the NRL Summer League. So essentially what this would be would just be a short uh, six to eight weeks played in the postseason alongside the women's comp, which is coming up. Um, and it would just be New South Wales Cup players, lower grade players, injured players who haven't played majority of the year because... Obviously, um, the New South Wales Cup had to be cancelled this year after only getting a few rounds in. Um, last year, it was shortened and then cancelled. Jersey flags being shortened and cancelled for two years in a row. Um, you know, there are a lot of kids out there who are missing, you know, these fundamental years of their development because of COVID and because they're not quite up to NRL standard yet and they don't get to play that lower grade footy. Um, so Phil Gould has just suggested this as a, Potential summer league run alongside the women's could potentially be sold to, you know, broadcasters as well. More money for them, which is just more money for the NRL, which is good. But what do you think, boys? Red light, green light? Huge green light for me. I'll keep it really quick because we have gone over time. Uh, yeah, we need to get these players on the field. Otherwise, we'll be facing a two-year generational gap. And it adds more to the general emission ticket um, when you're trying to get bums on seats for the girls brand that you get two for the price of one. It is a green light for me. Why not? I mean, you know, Phil Gould has suggested it. No one had thought of it before. Um, why, why wouldn't you? It makes sense, doesn't it? These footballers uh, have missed out on a lot of footy this year. Um, if we're able to uh, come up with this hybrid competition to run throughout the summer, why, why wouldn't you? They've, they've missed out on footy. Give them some footy. It's a green light for me. How about this? We've butted heads all red light, green light, but right at the end, we're all in agreement because it's a green light for me. All the tracks are moving. I think it's a great idea. Footy goes for longer. There's more rugby league, happy days, more to sell to the broadcasters, you beauty, and these young guns get a chance to show what they can do and um, a bit of a standalone special. So I think it's great. How about that? What a way to finish. And uh, for the listeners, hang around for next edition of Red Light, Green Light when we discuss Mitchell Stark's test career. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to dive headfirst into sportigories. Uh, we haven't played this little game for a while, but joining us for this edition is um, one of the most loyal listeners of the crowd catch, Lockie Robinson. How are you doing, mate? Uh, good, thanks, Gatesy. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Good to have you here. Now, um, being one of the most avid listeners of the crowd catch, you would know that if you happen to uh, topple one of us two, I'll be hosting. If you manage to beat Jack or James in this uh, podcast, we will send you a limited edition crowd catch stubby holder for free. Lovely. So what, history's on his side. I've known Locke for 25 years and counting, and in that time I've only ever beat him at one game of laser tag on a year nine excursion. So see how we go. I'm sure he hasn't heard the end of it either. <laughs> nah. All righty. Are you all ready to uh, strap in and get to work in this game? Ready to go. Yep. All righty. So the letter is W. w. Give me a cricketer. Was he Akram? Correct. Jack, you're on one. The great Pakistani all-rounder of the 90s and 2000s. I'm not sure how he came into my head, but I'll take it. <laughs> Sports equipment. A Wilson what tennis models. I think I'll have to go Jack again there. Wilson tennis <laughs> racket. Sounds good. I like Lockie's better, a water bottle. <laughs> that is a good one. Three, and then a role player. Wayman, Michael Wayman. Oh. Yep, all over it. Very good. So, hey, Lockie, mate, there, Jimmy. you're on two. <laughs> well. You're not good at getting off the duck, are you, Coman? <laughs> I'm struggling here. W's thrown me. Yeah, it's thrown me. Yeah, it's a bit of a curveball. Next one, a sport. Wrestling. Oh, oh he's done it. That's that. Was that three? Yeah. Yeah, yeah what? wrestling. Well, thanks for coming, Russ. <laughs> uh, disappointed in that one. <laughs> w was a bit different, to be fair. 
Gumby really, really rocked me. Thought I'd go for something different. For <laughs> cricketer, I had Shane Watson and Chris Wokes. For sports equipment, I had wax, as in surfing wax. Um, for a sport, I had water skiing. An NRL player, I had William Zilbin. He was just the one who somehow came to my mind. And for sports, uh, a sports brand was one I was going to ask as well. I had Woodworm. Well, another round, another stubby cool staying at home. Unlucky, Russ, but thanks for coming mm. on, mate. No worries. Thanks, guys. All righty. Huge week in the AFL coming up the 23rd and final round of the regular season. So to talk us through it, as always, it's Gatesy with his 420. <laughs> mate, I'm on a stopwatch. Are we good to go? I am good to go, mate. All righty, Gatesy. Eddie Betts, spectacular career. What do you think about um, the great man, Eddie? Well, yeah, it's um, it's been a sad week, hasn't it? He's, of course, come out and uh, announced that this week's game uh, between Carlton and the Giants will be the last of his career. His 350th AFL game and his final game. Amazing career. Um, 350 games, 638 goals. Uh, it'd be great to see him kick a bag of five this weekend and finish on 643. But um, the thing with Eddie Betts and, I mean, you know, Lance Franklin and Sean Burgoyne, these other great Indigenous players, they've, um, they've got some great numbers behind their careers. But what's even better, particularly with Eddie Betts and um, um, Lance Franklin and Cyril Rioli, is their highlights. And Ed, Eddie Betts, you know, Eddie Betts' highlights reel is probably on par with those two other guys I've mentioned, Lance Franklin and um, Cyril Rioli, both for Carlton and Adelaide. Some of the bananas and snaps he's kicked from the pocket, you just... I'll I tell you what I haven't done yet. I was on the AFL website before, the AFL.com website, and saw that there's a four-minute highlights reel of uh, Eddie Betts' greatest ever goals. I will watch that. And I'll tell you what, to think that you can sit there and watch that for free, that's uh, a pretty good deal. Agassin at Gatesy. I remember seeing that one that went viral when he kicked it from the grandstand with the lightning strike. So definitely tag us in it. Mate, when, when he fell over on his back? Yeah, unreal. Uh, that's a video that will go down in history. But, mate, as we said, one round to go. Get a pen and paper out and write down your top eight for us. All right, mate. I've got, in order, from one through to eight, I've got uh, Melbourne, Geelong, the Western Bulldogs, Port Adelaide, Brisbane, the Swannies, the Giants, and Essendon. So I think the top eight is set. I, the only thing I think uh, is that the only thing I think will change is the order. I think the eight teams who are in, who are in will stay in. There are still a handful of teams outside the eight knocking on the door in uh, West Coast, Fremantle, and if you're a very one-eyed Richmond fan, Richmond. Richmond, um, it's not impossible for Richmond to make it, but it, it, it may as well be impossible. But, uh, yeah, so that's my, eight, my top eight in the order. Um, as I said, there could still be a little bit of jostling um, at the bottom end of the uh, top eight. And there's a very interesting clash, fascinating clash this week coming up uh, between Melbourne and Geelong, which will decide uh, who wins the minor premiership. But um, that's my top eight. Mate, one of those teams still in contention are the Swans, but they've got a big blow with Nick Blakey out for the season. That is a blow um, out for the season. Um, yeah, he's... he's um, yeah, with his injury, he's been really important for the Swans in a new role this year. Instead of playing, you know, over the first couple of seasons of his career, he was playing um, either as a key forward or on, on the wing or you know, even in the guts a little bit. But this year, he's been playing uh, as a um, off the halfback, using his um, elite endurance and speed and disposal off halfback. Um, and he's been immense for the Swans in that role. Um, so it is a big loss, particularly at this time of year, just before the finals. But you know, there are some other players uh, in the Swan squad who can play a similar role uh, in Braden Campbell, first year Swans draftee, Harry Cunningham. He's played over 100 games. He's, he's quicker than Nick Blakey. His disposal is pretty good. He's a really good rebounding defender. Um, Colin O'Riordan is another one, not as quick, but uh, pretty pretty good disposal and, and likes likes to attack off halfback. Um, so there are options. It's not, it's not all doom and gloom. Mate, Perth is the leading contender for the AFL Grand Final. We'll get your thoughts quick on this one, yay or nay? Um, it's a yes for me. My only reservation is that Mark McGowan, the WA Premier, um, I can pronounce his name, um, not Anastasia Pillay, 
apologize. <laughs> but um, my only reservation is that uh, he's not wanting the players or staff members, um, uh, partners or families to come along. That is, that is a bit disappointing. But I guess in these times, it can't be perfect. Optus Stadium or Perth Stadium is an absolute cracker. Was that bang on time? Or yeah, I gave him the extra 27, uh, 20 seconds. So there you go. Get your munches out. Casey's having 420. Um, <laughs> look, we said last round of the AFL, if we shift over into the rugby league world, three rounds to go. Um, Dogfight for the last couple of positions in the top eight, but we'll get a really good uh, look at who'll finish first, second, and third this Friday night. The Bunnies taking on the Panthers. The Panthers almost at full strength without Brian Tao. I think he's the only one out now. God, is James Fisher-Harris back? I believe he is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a cracker. And, and this will be Nathan Cleary's second game back from that shoulder injury, so he'll be a bit better off. Yeah, um, he, he, he got through that game pretty well. I, I, I think because he was so close the week before, you, you, you dare say this is as good as Nathan Cleary's going to get. They, they said he's not going to get to 100% until he gets a full off-season behind him. So, I mean, what we see this weekend is what we'll get for the remainder of the season, I dare say. And um, you can say the same for the Rabbitohs with the players they've got back in there. They're back to full strength as well with Alex Johnston, Dan Gagai didn't play last week. And I think Campbell Graham was in a bit of doubt, um, but he's playing as well. Um, so, look, it's... It's star started, isn't it? And um, the Rabbitohs, the Rabbitohs probably to me are a little bit in the lead, just going off recent form. Um, you know, obviously the Panthers have struggled without Cleary, so they'd be wanting to put a good performance on the park to get themselves back up to where they were before his injury. But you know, in that time, the Rabbitohs have done haven't put much, haven't put a foot wrong really. They've been they've been firing, they've been putting plenty of points on. Um, and they've got themselves cruising towards the finals, as, as the great Wayne Bennett always does. He always times his run in the finals, and that's that's what's happening again. And um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like I don't have the Rabbitohs winning by much; it's very close. It could go either way. But if I have to tip, um, it's probably a bit of an outsider. But I'll say the Rabbitohs. Mm. They've got a lethal left edge, even without Alex Johnson, who's who's uh, still, even though he's missed what, a handful of games late because of his hamstring injury, still leading the tri tally this year. They've they've even without him, they've got um, an incredible left edge with uh, Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell, and Josh Spence all finishing off a lot of their tries. Um, I've got to back you there. It's it's a Rabbitohs tip for me as well. These are the games where being played in Queensland really affects it. Now, this was meant to be a home game for the Panthers. Um, if it wasn't for COVID, they'd be playing this at the foot of the mountains with a full crowd. That would have to sway the tipsters out there. I think the Panthers would do it. Um, I, I love how he said Wayne Bennett at the helm. He just has such an ability to get his team ticking at the right time. Obviously, they copped the famous 50 points mid-season, the Bunnies, which history says <laughs> means they won't win a competition. But even, I think it was last week, Bennett came out and said, yeah, we're improving. We're probably not at that standard and at the bar that Melbourne have set yet, but I like how we're travelling. So this will be such a good indicator for a team that's won 10 in a row now. Um, an incredible feat, really. Uh, but I just like that Panthers team. That that first half last week was clunky. The longer they stayed on the park together, the better they looked. Um, the, the 5-8, I can't think of his name. Um Luai. Um, I, I, I think... His game improved more from the first minute to 80th minute than Nathan Cleary's did. I think that's a huge sign. Um, can't wait to see Tavita Pengo Jr. come on off the bench and see what impact he has. Uh, I, I can't wait for this game. And Look, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bunnies go on and win it, but I just think that this Panthers team has been a cut above the rest of the competition and we'll all be reminded of that come Friday night. Well, even, even a cut above Melbourne Storm? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I think this Panthers team at its best is the best team in the competition. I really do. I think even last year's grand final. Um, when they got trounced. Feel good. <laughs> oh, I thought he was on the money. I, I thought the Panthers were the better team for the majority of that game. If you remember, that second half was electric from them. But the way they started this season, uh, the amount of guys that demanded spots in Freddie's origin team, uh, they we, we forget how good that team was. So... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a cracking game though, isn't 
Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm really excited to see Cody Walker. He's been electric this year. I'm a big fan of Cody Walker. You know, he's leading the NRL in try assists. I think he's got 35, which something like that. 31, sorry. Um, which is, you know, the highest he's ever got in his career. And then I think Latrell Mitchell's just behind him in fifth place. Um, so, like, they're, they're not just scoring off individual brilliance. They're passing the ball around and, um, you know, they're getting that ball to Alex Johnston, who, like Casey said, still leads the NRL in try scoring and he's had a few weeks out. Latrell Mitchell's the one uh, for me. Uh, I think Latrell's always been a confidence player. I think the one box that he needed to go and tick mentally was to have origin success again. And he's been electric at the back. And I would love to see the Bunnies do it for Benji, for the Benji story. I wouldn't be mad if it was the Bunnies who lifted it to send Benji off in that way. But I think the difference between this Bunnies team now to the difference to the team that's made the prelims the last X amount of years is Latrell Mitchell. I think what he can add to that team at fullback in this form is the type of spark they need to beat a Melbourne Storm or to beat a Penrith Panthers team. Well, look, why I'm tipping the Rabbitohs is because, yes, they've won 10 in a row. They're in blinding form. Um, they've, they've been – I think they're, they're in more of a sweet spot than the Panthers at the moment. The Panthers have been let down by origin. They've been let down by injuries. The Rabbitohs are humming along. I think they've got a bit more, a bit more strike in them um, at the moment, even without Alex Johnson on the left wing. Um, so I'm backing them. Although I will say – it's, um, it is very interesting to look ahead and wonder um, how the Panthers will go as they, as they get their troops back more and more over the rest of the season. I mean, they were in incredible form. They won 12 games in a row this year. They were unbeatable. They even beat Melbourne Storm by two points, 12-10 in round three. Um, and then it was origin and injuries that just um, killed them, really. I mean, they lost those two games during Origin against the Tigers and Sharks, and they would have flogged both of those teams by 40 points if, if it wasn't for Origin. Um, so it would be interesting to see how they go um, over the back end of the year now that Origin's done and their best players are back on the park. Uh, will be interesting. Um, and for the Bunnies, uh, it's the start of a tough two-week period for them with the Roosters who probably aren't at that level, but by no means will be a walkover, and particularly not the team you want to be playing after what you can only presume will be a high-intensity 80-minute game of footy. Speaking of the Roosters, Victor Radley. Jimmy, keen to get your thoughts on this. Whenever I picture you playing footy, I think Victor Radley, mate. I always do. (laughs) Um, Is he unlucky, or does he need to have a good hard look at his game? No, he's definitely unlucky. You know, when he... When he went to charge down that ball, he wasn't thinking to himself, you know, I'm going to jump out and take this guy's legs. He was just probably had his eyes closed, head down, face grimaced, back end of the game, he's absolutely spent and he's just charging, doing his, busting his guts to try and get some part of his body in front of that ball to stop the field goal. Um, there was no way deliberate, um, pure accident. And, um, you know, I guess in the letter of the law, it was, it was illegal. So he does have to be ruled out for that um, by the letter of the law. But, you know, it's a t- tricky one because if you put yourself in Victor's, Victor's situation, situation, you know, he's just trying to win the game. He would have been absolutely knackered. He was just, you know, he was just doing his best for his team and something pretty unfortunate has happened. It's an interesting one for Trent Robinson because how could you be mad at him? I mean, as a coach, what you want is a player who after 79 minutes is sprinting up out of the line correctly and and giving that last 1% to try and stop them from kicking what should have been a pretty easy field goal. So you almost think Trent Robinson would have been proud of the play and just discuss it with the sheer luck. But in saying that, Jimmy, I asked you this time last week after the podcast if I should get Victor Radley in my super coach team and get... Nah, mate, he'll get suspended again. So even though we're saying it's unlucky, I mean, we both sat here last week and said he's probably going to find himself out before the end of the season and didn't even make 80 minutes before copying another three weeks. So there's got to be something there. Yeah. Well, I think the thing with suspensions is that you're more likely to get, you know, a longer suspension if you muck up just as you've come back with the carryover points. And, you know, the longer you don't have an indiscretion, you know, you get a good behaviour allowance, um, you know, which is why Corey Havrunira only got, was it three weeks for almost killing Jerome Hughes, um, even though, you know, that should have been a seven or eight, maybe more week. But because he had a good record, it got cut, let, 
got cut off. And so, you know, since Victor is just coming back and he's had so many previously, you know, it just takes one on report that might only be a week in another game to be three weeks, which is what we've seen here. Victor Adley, in my eyes, doesn't need to change. Um, as, you, as you boys say, Trent Robinson must love him for playing with his heart on his sleeve and giving it 110%. Um, and that incident against Albert Kelly where he took out his legs trying to charge down, it's a freak accident. He was trying to charge down the ball. Um, in, in a physical sport and when uh, you're running at a million knots an hour, mistakes like that happen. As for the high tackles, of course, he was rubbed out five rounds um, earlier this season um, for two high hits in... uh, Funnily, it was against the Broncos as well, wasn't it, at the SCG? Um, And let's be honest, the the crackdown has has waned ever since. Does it even exist anymore? So in light of of that, does he need to adjust his tackling technique? Uh, Peter Volandis was very gung-ho about it and said, we're cracking down, but it's, it's hard to know where the crackdown is at at the moment, really. Um, but no, at the end of the day, I, I don't think um, Victor Radley has to change. Yeah, no, I think the only game where maybe he could have calmed down was, I think it was that one against the Broncos where, you know, we saw the Red Fair and he started going crazy and was just hitting people and putting on shots on everyone. I think he tried to kill Tavita Pangai. Um, so he maybe could have calmed down and pulled his head in in that one. But as a viewer, I was profiting that. <laughs> Brilliant stuff from Radley. You've got to like him. Yeah, I love him. Look, Broncos on the improve. Warriors playing some good footy at the moment, but really grinding out wins. Who wins? Last question before trivia. Who wins, Broncos or Warriors? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, the Broncos have been on the out um, lately. I think you know they're they're looking towards next year. They're building. They're improving. But you know. It goes against every fibre of my being to say I'm tipping the Broncos and I, I love the Warriors, so I'm going to tip the Warriors here. Broncos for me. Look, ne- neither side are playing um, great structured footy at the moment. As Phil Gould likes to say, you know, every every Broncos win this season has just come off um, in individual athletes and you know, individual footballers, as they say. Um, you know, like a great play from Xavier Coates, a great play from Tessie New. Um, a great play from uh, Katoni Staggs when he's played. Um, and I, I think in that regard, the Broncos have a bit more up their sleeve than the Warriors. Yeah, look, the Knights got the Broncos in the last game of the season. And at the start of the year, I would have seen this as a sure thing. But the way the Broncos have, have conducted themselves over the past month, I don't necessarily see it this way. I think this is the perfect test for the Broncos because the Warriors, um, they're without what they're probably their three best players. Um, which they won't get back. But they're a team that they don't beat themselves. They've got the best completion rate in the game. So this will be a perfect test for the Broncos because we know what the Warriors will do. They'll they'll complete well. They won't beat themselves. They'll need to be beaten. But the Broncos are probably up to that task if they play their best footy. So I think it'll be a really good indication of just how far Kevy has bought that team in 23 rounds. Yeah, now on the head. You know, the Warriors are... Warriors always put on a good performance. Um, they're just not sure what it is they're lacking, but lacking a bit of that killer instinct. Maybe maybe they're a bit too structured, a bit too focused on completing their sets when maybe they could throw the ball around. But, you know, now that the season's coming to an end, you know, there's, I guess there's still mathematically a chance, but, you know, there's a bit of a, maybe a bit of a weight lifted off their shoulders and they'll be a bit more keen to play some enterprising footy. Unfortunately for the Warriors, bar what, 2018 when they did scrape into the eight in that year where there was one win separating one from eight, they do it every year, don't they? They they pick up a, they start poorly, they pick up a couple of wins in origin and then right when you write them off, they come home with such a wet sail and just miss out. So uh, hopefully we won't be saying the same about my trivia, but I can't, <laughs> unfortunately, boys, delay the inevitable anymore. I'd, I'd kind of prefer to ask another 15 NRL questions and not play the bloody game, but it is that time of week. That's right. It's trivia time. Let's dive in. We love this time of week. Jack, how about you give us a score update, mate? Yeah, I can, mate. Uh, I'm coming last on 17. Um, then it's yourself on sorry, 20. Sorry, what was that? The audio just cut out. Uh-huh. I missed that as well. Yeah, so it's uh, Jimmy leading the way on 21. Uh, Gates chirping at his heels on 20. <laughs> and I'm coming last on 17. <laughs> 
Anyway, it's tight at the top. There's a good race at the top. It's almost like Katie Ledecky and Ariana Titmus. You know, there's just two 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 quality players leading the way, and then then it's Canada. The, I was going to say the next event's the uh, the one armed Paralympian just going a little bit slower. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll kick us off, boys, and see if I can um, mount a bit of a late comeback. Hands on your buzzers. Question number one. A bit of a tricky question. Hopefully, you can wrap your head around the wording. Alrighty. Which player scored in the same NRL matchup as earlier in the season, but for the opposite side last week? Zach. Dale Copley. It was Dale Copley. He's only scored twice this season, once for the Broncos against the Roosters, and then on the weekend for the Roosters against the Broncos. Very well done. I didn't even understand the question. <laughs> hello, hello there, Kevin. <laughs> We're side by side, big fella. <laughs> <laughs> the wording of the question confused the hell out of me there. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, the question confused to me a bit, but I thought Dale Copley has played, he scores tries and he's played for two clubs this year, so I thought I'll give it a bit. <coughs> that was a good one, Gates. Pay that. Alrighty, so 21 apart. Rightio. Question number two Where's Australia ranked in the World T20s? World ranking 2020s, where's Australia ranked? Fourth? No. It's got to be lower than four, I reckon. It wouldn't be higher than four. I'm going to say sixth. And he gets his lead back. It is in sixth. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's something incredible, boys. I almost Tip fell off my tap. seat when I was watching, well, having a look at the table at the moment. Uh, the table is, of course... Uh, decided on the world rankings. We're coming sixth. Our first opponent is South Africa. They're in fifth. But incredibly, which is a great sign of where we're at as a T20 nation. We're closer in rankings to Afghanistan than we are to South Africa, who are in front of us. <laughs> Afghanistan, who are on the news at the moment, the Taliban taking over. We're closer to that country in terms of ICC World T20 rankings than we are to our first opponent at the World Cup. That says a lot. <laughs> Doesn't yeah, it? Uh, all right, boys. How about I um, roll out my trivia questions next? Right, yeah. All right. I've got a theme this week. Is it the theme, Everton? <laughs> the, theme, the theme is... Um, Formula uh, 1. We'll just, we'll, just, we'll just scrap that. Okay, my first question. All right. Which city hosted the 2010 Commonwealth Games? Coman, was it the Gold Coast? No, the Gold Coast was 2018. Oh. Jack, Delhi. You've got it, mate. Beauty. 2002 was Manchester, 2006 Melbourne, 2010 Delhi, 2014 Glasgow, 2018 Gold Coast, said the first one that popped to my mind, it probably popped to my mind because it was the last one here in Australia very recently. Probably popped into your mind because of Hollywood showgirls, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven on earth. <laughs> All right, boys. And question two. This is a spelling bee. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> Adam Dewey. Can you spell Dewey? Oh, I'll have a crack. The D- last spelling question we had was when Jack asked us to spell Travoyevich. If I get close, now that I've said that I'm going first, if I get close, I could give Jack some hints here. I've seen his name that many times. I should be able to do this. D O U E is it do we I H I You've got it <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to get that. <laughs> I've read his name that many times. I've written stories about him when we played the dragons. <clears throat> Oh, look, I can't be mad because I wouldn't have got that. <laughs> it's the N. It's the IHI because I've been tricked up on that before. I've gotten the, the D-O-U-E, but it's the IHI at the end that's tripped me up before. Well, look, I only know how to spell Adam Dewey off the top of my head because I work at Wild World Sports now. And early this season, I found myself typing out his name a lot, but I was always having to get onto Google to have a look, and that wastes, <laughs> you know, five seconds. And I was like... Stuff this. I'm just going to learn it once and for all. And the same goes for Appy Corusau, Ryan Pappenhausen, Tom Travoyevich. There are a few names that I now have stuck in my head. 
<laughs> well, how's the theme? Where was the Commonwealth Games and how they spell Alex Dewey? <laughs> <Right> <laughs> the best theme. themes. Hi, the theme was they both start with D. <laughs> then you're going to get one answer. I'll get you. There you go. Exactly. There you go. All right, that. Huh? <laughs> well, thank God you're going last, Jimmy, because you're getting a bit of an unassailable lead. <laughs> oh, here we go. Well, we'll see how you go here. All right. Hands on buzzers. Who currently has the most offloads in the NRL? As of most recent. So now. Well, there's a couple that come to mind. It would just be who's leading it. Um, Zach. Felice Cafusi. No. Incorrect. Crossing up with a couple from Supercoach. Um, I dropped in mid-season, but I've got a feeling he started snagging a couple more. So I'm going to stick with the Melbourne Storm and go Christian Welch. Wasn't Christian Welch? I thought someone would guess Fafita. I thought that's what the comments would be. But it's not. It's not Fafita. He's oh. second. It's David Nopaluma. Yeah. Very. Yeah. I was surprised by that too. I I thought it'd be Fafita, but David Nopaluma forty five. Fafita with forty three. Hot in his heels. You could have just said Christian Welch third to make me sound better, mate. Even if it wasn't, anyway, <laughs> no one would know. <laughs> <laughs> There's no friends in trivia, mate. <laughs> Alrighty, boys. Now this is a cricket one. You should both be you should both be in it with a shot here. All right, came off the came off a bottle top. Who hit the winning runs for Australia to regain the Ashes in 1989 at Old Trafford? 89. Jack. Look, I don't really know much about my cricket pre 2000. To be honest with you, uh, so I'm going to play this one safe and. He'd be batting well up the order, but maybe we had a good lead. I'll go Alan Border. Incorrect. I will say Steve Waugh. You're close. He was batting with Steve Waugh. It's David Boone. Hey. David Boone. Is that why he got on the beers on the way back? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Hit the winning runs. It was a sweep to the boundary to get four runs to hit the winning runs. So pretty, pretty cool way to bring it up. It doesn't surprise me that it was off a boundary. He didn't like running Big Boonie. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, he does like running. It's Jimmy, and he's running away with trivia this year, Gatesy. We um, might hang around on Zoom for a bit longer and um, <laughs> talk tactics. What's a, give us a score update. <laughs> yeah, um, you got three then. Did you get no, Jimmy had two, so you're on 23. Gatesy's on 21, and I'm on 18. So. It was a good round. I was not expecting Coma to get Adam Dewey. <laughs> I was surprised I got it too, but I've, I've spelt it wrong enough times to know how to spell it. Kind of, you know what I mean? Was, you get close. Oh, well, you can close us out, uh, Jimmy, and give us your three things. Rightio. Well, uh, I'm on a bit of a hot streak with my short bets at the moment. So last week I went to the Chelmish Mitchell score against the Titans. He, of course, did that. So I'm hoping this is going to be an omen. And uh, my sure bets have the magic touch at the moment. And I'm going to say Raiders to beat Manly. Uh, Khan, the green machine. Hopefully they can get up over Manly, especially help if Tommy Turbo doesn't play. Uh, well, they beat them last time without Turbo. Exactly. So it'll be a different game if Turbo backs up. And Sam Williams scored a double. Up. I love Sammy Williams. Uh, in the pressure cooker, I've got the Parramatta Eels. Uh, quickly sliding down the ladder into sixth place at uh, the wrong time of the year. You know, this is when you're supposed to be firing and they seem to be slumping. Um, and this week they're up against the Cowboys and I don't think you can completely write the Cowboys off. Uh, the Cowboys are capable of causing upsets. Um, you know, they're a team that can, you know, really build build some momentum. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying Parramatta Eagles are going to lose, but I don't think they're going to do the Cowboys comfortably. And they're definitely under a lot of pressure and we'll probably be wanting a big win here. And my one to watch, we talked about it earlier, uh, Panthers and the Rabbitohs, just an absolute cracker. It's a finals quality match, finals preview. Make sure you tuned in to give that one a watch. It's also my one to watch. What a cracking game that will be. My sure thing, the Premier League is back. Leeds looked very ordinary to their loss against Manchester United. One team that looked fucking awesome was Everton. Sure thing, Everton to beat Leeds in round two. And my pressure cooker is Adam Scott's putting. It's always been his Achilles uh, when it comes to his game. I'm not sure if you guys saw he had a putt to win $1.6 million. Yeah, probably a metre long. You wouldn't say it was any longer than a metre and didn't look like going in. Adam Scott, what are you doing? Go and work on your putting. It's like Happy Gilmore all over again. 
Fantastic. Good ones there, boys. Um, my sure bet is Eddie Betts to score a goal against the Giants in his final AFL game and uh, every one of his Carlton teammates on the field to swamp him. Um, in the pressure cooker, I have got West Coast. They've been on a slippery slide late in the season. They've got one more game uh, this week to try to save against the Brisbane Lions to try to uh, get back in the top eight and save their premiership dream. And my one to watch is Adam Reynolds. Time's running out um, with Adam Reynolds in the green and in the red and green. He'll be heading north to the Broncos next year. Um, but he's, he's the Rabbitohs through and through. Rightio. Well, that, speaking of coming to an end, brings us to a close for this episode. Enjoy the footy this weekend. Unfortunately, for most of us, we won't be able to enjoy much else. Uh, but make sure whatever you do this weekend, keep your eye on that ball. Because you never know when another crowd catch may just come your way. Bye.